Hey, this is the VR Gear Daily News Podcast, episode number 19 for February 27th, 2020. Today we've got three awesome stories to discuss, and uh, we're really excited to talk to you about some interesting developments with the Oculus Quest Link capabilities, including some audio updates. Also, we're going to talk about some of the reference designs that are now uh, being released by Qualcomm, all surrounding the XR2 chip that is designed for AR and VR. And finally, there's some really interesting rumors swirling about on some of the Apple rumor sites regarding some really awesome wireless technology that could be used to enable really short range Wi-Fi for, who knows, some sort of head-mounted wearable display of there patterns, you go. right? Something like that. So which one are we starting with <clears throat> today, Paul? Let's start with the Oculus Quest. All right, let's uh, jump in. So the new V14 update. Uh, if you go through the release notes, there's something pretty big in there. When you connect, and so if you connect your Oculus Quest, your PC, through the link, uh, you're allowed to play any Steam VR game, any Rift game you want. Uh, something that was missing, uh, though, before, was the audio input from the Quest. Um, you couldn't talk to anyone in online games. You couldn't. I guess that's really all you would do with the microphone. You wouldn't let Facebook listen to you. <laughs> well, no, the, the only thing you would use the microphone for is to talk with people while playing, you know, or or doing some uh, shared experience VR thing. That's what you would use the microphone for. But what would other people use it for? Well, I don't know. What would what would Facebook? What does Facebook use, use with what your does, recording? Okay, what what would they if they had it, or what do they do because they have that's it? A really I don't know. Interesting question. I don't know how to look at the problem. Anyway, uh, that. If you are having trouble with that, that has now been fixed. Um, if you uh, thought you updated and you didn't, or if you thought you updated on your Quest and you're wondering why this doesn't work, it's because you have to update your software and your PC for the Oculus side as well that also came out with a new uh, patch update. Right, yeah, so this is important. So um, the Oculus Quest is a standalone headset. It runs the full operating system on, its, on the headset itself and you don't need any external compute capabilities. When you plug it into your PC, all of a sudden the local device technology is only acting as a pass-through for what's going on on your PC. For all intents and purposes, your Quest has become some sort of Rift or Rift S. Well, Rift S because there's still the inside-out tracking. So um, when it comes to updating, make sure you're updating both your PC Oculus software as well as the Quest the Oculus Quest software, and then you should be able to take advantage of these new link capabilities. So just keep in mind, they are different. And when you're plugged in, the compute and the software is running from your PC. When you're unplugged, the compute and the software is running from your headset alone. And so uh, really interesting that um, <laughs> this wasn't uh, possible before. It's good that there's an update, uh, but it is also important as a, as a user of these um, really interesting crossover solutions um, it's really interesting, and it's important to keep uh, keep tabs on <laughs> what version you're on on these different platforms as well. But now things can be heard right. by other people and so entities of, of all so sorts. So exciting. Um, and Go just real Facebook. quick, if you, uh, you, you don't need to manually trigger this update. As long as your headset and PC are connected to Wi-Fi, they'll uh, roll out automatically. There's no way for you to trigger it actually on your own. So... Uh, 
Other you than, can't, you uh, can't go in and say check for updates. Yeah, well, you can check to see which software you're running, but you can't have it manually update. That's interesting. I've noticed that um, some of these systems that sometimes I'm like, no, no, I want to check. Just pull it from the server and it's like, no, we will update on our own timetable. So uh, with this update, did they... Uh, you know, cut the price of the link cable in half? No, they didn't. Still $80, and you still can't use hand tracking while connected to your PC for obvious reasons. But again, no, wait, what, some, are, what are those obvious reasons? Like you just said, the compute and uh, software, software you're running is from the PC, not the Quest. And the Quest is what's doing the hand tracking, not. Well, a, well the Quest software is the doing Quest the The Quest software tracking. is doing the hand tracking. So, oh, come on. So, unless they find a way to uh, make both of those things active, which should be something they are working on because once you have hand tracking on the quest people are going to be wanting to play rift games with it and they're going to expect the rift s to have hand tracking because it has the same inside out tracking well and you know what there are some games that probably should have hand tracking and we uh we have we those highlighted those. we highlighted those you should day. go check out our last podcast we talked about them too yeah we did all about them cool all right so quest software version 14 which is really Quest or, or just Oculus software update yep. on both the PC side and the Quest side. Go install that um, or, or just kind of hope and pray that it installs itself so that yep. you have the audio capabilities uh, so that you can speak with people and shared experiences, including gaming. So, all righty. All right, let's move on to the next one. Let's talk about, uh, you want to talk about Apple or Qualcomm first? Oh, they love each other. Uh, let's... Let's talk about Qualcomm. Let's All right, do let's it. do it. So they, uh, <clears throat> late last year, they released, or I guess announced, the XR2 mobile chip. Uh, it's designed specifically for virtual and augmented reality headsets. Um, the Snapdragon 835 is in over 30 VR and AR standalone headsets. It's powering the Oculus Quest, the Oculus Go. There's a lot of different headsets that use uh, Qualcomm. And with this XR2 release now, they are really pushing the boundaries of what is capable or what is possible in virtual and augmented reality. Um, just to name a few things that they highlighted, uh, hand tracking, eye tracking, and magnetic controller tracking, uh, which you are going to talk on here in a minute. But um, those are all things that are going to be possible through the headset. What is news, though, because that came out in 2019, what is news is the um, reference designs that they came out with to show consumers and developers what these headsets should and could look like. Yeah, uh, the funny thing about reference designs, I, I, I'm actually really impressed with chip companies that release reference designs um, because they do this all day long. Like Texas Instruments, they actually have uh, augmented reality headset reference design. It's like, hey, would you like to use um, our reference design to build a, a headset? around our chip and their motivation is just to sell more chips. They don't want to be consumer facing. They just want to sell more stuff to companies that are consumer facing. And so what they'll do is in the case of Qualcomm, like you don't ever buy a Qualcomm phone, but you buy phones that have Qualcomm technology inside of it. So this chip having all of these extra capabilities, it's, it's clear that they are starting to integrate a lot of the stuff that the Apple chips have been uh, the Apple A-series chips have been implementing for a while, which is neural networks, neural engines, um, a lot of machine learning, because to enable things like hand tracking, which is object, de object detection, um, frame by frame, like that's how you do hand tracking, or eye tracking, or even this magnetic stuff where you're interpreting something, the position of something in space based on the magnetic interference 
of the the object. And so, and that's a really interesting technology, similar to how you would do like um, your key card to unlock a door. Uh, magnetic positioning is all about your orientation in space based on the disruption of a electromagnetic um, field that has been generated. And you're like, okay, that's a really interesting way to track it. Well, all of these different technologies for tracking pretty uh, obscure um, events in space and time is only possible when you leverage silicon that can operate at a very abstract and fast level and make sense of it very quickly. And that's exactly why machine learning, neural network, silicon has started to be designed in a large, large way. Tesla has a very similar technology in their custom chip that's inside of all the new Tesla cars because what they used to have was 200 frames per second of data uh, of, of compute. So they had these like NVIDIA graphics cards in their cars. They would take all um, nine cameras around the vehicle process them, and that would then translate into instructions for the car to turn or slow down or speed up, change lanes, etc. Well, the, the custom chip that was made by Tesla is capable of 2,000 frames a second worth of compute. Jeez. That is, you know, uh, tracking with all the sensors as well as uh, controlling all the different actuators and different accelerators in the vehicle 2,000 times per second. This is, this is phenomenal, right? And it's only possible when you have certain um, uh, like cores in the chip itself dedicated to these types of processes. And the best thing to do is to do machine learning neural network type silicon. This stuff has been deployed in Amazon's cloud. It's been deployed in Google's cloud to uh, like optimize search and things like that. But this is some pretty awesome stuff. Qualcomm adopting this type of technology and then in, in, uh, putting it into an AR VR headset, it, it makes sense. And I think they knew they should do this for a while, but it, you, you don't make a, a new uh, chip overnight. It takes a lot of time and effort to build silicon. And so this is awesome. Uh, this is very encouraging that they're doing this and it's going to enable a lot more natural interaction in VR mm -hmm. because it's capable of tracking a lot more of what's going on. I mean, ideally, we have full body tracking without weird controllers and markers on it. It just can look at just the way that you can look at a person and you get a good idea of where their hands, arms and legs are. Right. You, you know, if you have powerful enough compute, a computer can know the same thing. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's exciting stuff. And I think I answered your question about the magnetic stuff. You did. Okay. Uh, just real quick before we move on to the next topic. Uh, they're saying that headsets, obviously no one headset is going to have all these features, but this uh, chip is going to be capable of 3K by 3K resolution per eye at 90 frames per second. Um, support for seven cameras, input and output, so really mixed reality type of stuff, all at the same time. And uh, integrated 5G connectivity, which is important to note because... Qualcomm, it, Qualcomm is working on a comprehensive end-to-end -end solution for cloud rendering VR. And if that is possible, obviously we're a few years out from that. Um, but once that's possible, the headsets are going to look a lot more slim. It's going to make uh, Google Stadia look like a bunch of dopes. Yeah. Uh, like, oh, boy. We, I mean, we, we actually wrote about this a while ago, but it, it's on the website. It's linked you... inside the website, or inside of this article on the website as well. Oh, the yeah. Google Stadia. I mean... There's just no real way to power uh, VR um, remotely at, currently over the networks that exist. It's the latency 
uh, the back and forth of data. It's just way too high. The latency is high, right? Um, the speeds, yeah, you could you could uh, pipe a VR signal through it for sure, but you couldn't um, do anything that was real time interactive. So you can't even example, do that with a controller right now, let alone VR. Ah, well, I mean, unless you're playing you know, Expert Plus Beat Saber, but no, I'm talking about through Stadia. Oh, through Stadia. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, just regular gameplay through Stadia. Yeah, they. If you go check this out on YouTube, and people have done a lot of really interesting stuff. They're, they're um, comparing the latency of a like local console playing on the TV versus a Stadia um, implementation. And they'll, they'll uh, you know, record at high frame rates and they'll show um, you know, the, the person uh, holding a controller, tilting the joystick, and then showing um, also in the background of that same shot, the character on screen, how quickly or slowly they react to the movement of the joystick. And it is like, painfully slow like you would never ever want to play a game uh with google stadia that was real time online like multiplayer or stuff. any game if you're interested in playing games at the same time you're moving your hands well i mean yeah that's that's a good point because it feels like a really laggy online game but every game even the ones that you think are local those are also online with stadia the yep. the, the theoretical benefits are there but you can't do it and that's and that's because of latency issues and so 5g Full circle is promising latencies low enough to enable VR. I mean, 5G is capable of like well, 100 gigabit data data pipe. That's mm -hmm. incredibly fast. So enough bandwidth, clearly. But you need to get there and back with VR to make it work. And 5G, I mean, theoretically promises that. Yeah, and that's what they, that's what they were saying. It's not like we fixed it or it's coming, but uh, theoretically, this headset will be able to hold that once 5G gets there. Uh, but that that's that for that's that's Qualcomm. Awesome. Now good, good we're going to talk about uh, this new Wi-Fi standard. Well, uh, I I don't know. I don't know what this uh, standard is, and uh, <clears throat> you know we we don't do a lot of speculating when we're not speculating. But when we do, boy, boy we, do we speculate. Boy do we speculate. So here's the thing, Mark. Mark, you can talk more about this, but I'll just get the ball rolling. Apple, or excuse me, this new Wi-Fi. Uh, standard has yet to be approved or adopted anywhere but apple is considering putting it in the iphone 12 which is uh they're referring to it as 802.11 ay or they would say 802.11.ay so um, this is either so way you want to say let, let's let's just do a real quick uh, recap of what wi-fi is today so the majority of stuff is 802.11 ac and that is called wi-fi 5 by the way and then, and then uh, this year we're having Wi-Fi 6. They, they stopped calling it 802.11 anything. It's just they wanted to simplify it this last year, which was a really great thing to do. So this year is called, uh, the new stuff this year is uh, Wi-Fi 6 or 802.11ax. Awesome. Okay, well, what is uh, being reported by 9to5Mac, this, this wasn't, uh, we didn't pick up on this um, aside from what they showed us, but what they're saying is that there is a potential for um, something called uh, Y, uh, is it Wi-Fi gig or Y gig? Yeah, it's called Y gig, which is also called um, 802.11ay. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't think this will be called Wi-Fi 7, and, and this is interesting because 802.11ad was um, Y gig, um, but the problem with it was it doesn't travel through walls, walls very well. Uh -huh. It's at the 60 gigahertz range, and that is uh, very low latency. But because the um, 
the, the frequency is so high, it won't go through walls. Right. And so there wasn't ever really an adoption with that, was there? there there's no adoption and it, uh, the latency was really low. So th the applications uh, as 9to5Mac speculates is that this could potentially be in the um, iPhone 12 and the use cases they point out, uh, two of them are interesting. One of them is just, you know, peer to peer file sharing. So like AirDrop, we're in the same room, line of sight, there's no walls between us. AirDrop works in those contexts. It would just allow you to share massive files and very short amount of time. Okay? Right. That's one theory. And yeah. on top of that, yeah. uh, if you have AirDrop, it, it can't do that right now. Obviously it works, but it's not very quick. It works again, but not at the speed you'd hope it could. Uh, yeah, I mean, it could be faster for sure. Um, you just need a new phone, Paul. My, mine goes really fast. Okay, but the other application for this Y gig, um, it, what they're saying is a potential um, near, uh, I guess, a nearby iOS device powering some sort of uh, head-mounted display, HMD of, of sorts, AR glasses, VR headset, whatever it may be. Uh, so leveraging some sort of short-term uh, high frequency, low latency, high bandwidth uh, Wi-Fi standard that is really just kind of a proprietary communication network because no other devices really have capabilities uh, built in for this type of tech. Um, it, it, the whole purpose would be offloading the compute to your local device in a wireless way, by the way. I mean, yeah, yeah you could wire it, Unreal. but it's like wireless. Um, uh, and, and now you don't have to have some tether running down your shirt in the back to yeah. your pocket. Like we got rid of that with uh, the air earbuds that were, you know, part of the iPod generation, those white wires coming out of your face. If you go back and look at the Z, you're like, why did we ever feel that it was okay to have like a cable going from your head to your pocket? It's like that thing gets snagged on things all the time. And I think we just put up with it, but now AirPods, you're just like, it's weird. So yeah. I, I wear AirPods a few hours of the day, every day, and I know you do too. I was wondering when you're gonna take, are you gonna take those out? Did you know they were still in? <laughs> and okay. uh, and it's kind of funny when I like see people, the wires at like the gym or the store or wherever, I'm like, geez, can you imagine the inconvenience that is? Oh, like do, lifting weights with a wire hanging yeah, down like, your body? Yeah, I was like, but then you think of like AR, and you're like, imagine just going data, because these glasses are supposedly going to take, eventually take the place of the iPhone, and uh, you're gonna wear them all day, right? When you get them, you're gonna wanna wear them all day. And like, imagine having a wire all day. Like 10 years ago, we didn't think about it, but now that seems like terrible. Yeah, we don't want that for show. But okay, so point is, this um, Wi-Fi standard seems to be uh, potentially a, a technology that could be adopted to enable the offloading of some compute functions, maybe even communication with the networks because that can drain battery life. Yep. Um, and to enable some offloading of the compute for some sort of wearable headset. Um, th this uh, Y-Gig technology is not um, owned by Apple or anything like that, but the people that have, the adoption has been extremely low, the use cases have been very narrow, and so anyone can use it, but nobody really has. It's a technology waiting for a use case, but it's a technology ready for use cases that could justify using it, and this does make sense to use this type of Wi-Fi to enable that type of uh, scenario. Absolutely does. Just real quick for uh, two more things. One, sidecar with the iPad and the laptop. I think this could also help it, right? Yeah, I mean, sidecar right now, so if you don't know what sidecar is, you can basically set your iPad up as a secondary display uh, wirelessly. It, it, it behaves a lot like AirPlay when you're sending like your phone's display or your mm. computer's display to your Apple TV. <clears throat> but Sidecar allows you to have like a, 
a display right there next to it, and it works over USB. And it also works over Wi-Fi. Great. Um, and I've been pretty impressed with the latency. Um, it's really responsive, I think. But um, yeah, this could be leveraged for very similar use cases for sure. And then the last thing I wanted to touch on before we let you go. Oh, is... but you know what? That would make it so that if it was small enough, you could have, um, what is it? Wireless. Uh, oh, we, you know how they have the untethered headsets like HTC. You can right. get the untethered like massive antenna. That stuff is actually at 60 gigahertz. Intel has a solution like this, very narrow narrow use case. You have to be line of sight with the the, uh, the transmitter. Um, but this would be interesting if they packed it into a very small package that was very powerful, like we talked about before with the Apple chips, putting it into a small device. Like an iPad. Like an iPad or an iPhone, and then it's with you, and you're just like, that's bonkers, right? Well, that's where I thought you were headed with it. But uh, And then the last thing, just, now I forgot where I was going with it. Oh, I... We're not predicting, and I don't think Mark has alluded to, but I want to make sure that we're very clear that we're not saying Apple's going to come out with a headset <laughs> in uh, November. But what we, what I assume is when the headset finally does release, and I think it is inevitable for Apple to get involved in this area, uh, they'll want mass adoption, obviously, and they'll want as many iPhone users to be included in this as possible. So getting started, if they see this uh, new Wi-Fi standard, as what the future is for their headset, putting this in the, the iPhone as early as possible is gonna be key to getting more and more sales down the road. So in five years, if you buy the iPhone this year and the year is 2025, your iPhone still works with it. That's the equivalent of the iPhone 6S working with hardware that comes out today. Yeah. So if, it, if this is the case, then it seems like Apple's really gearing up for um, a lot of sales. That's fantastic. All right. Um, I think that's all we've got for today. That is it. This has been the VR Gear Daily News Podcast, episode number 19 for February 27th, 2020. Make sure you uh, subscribe to this podcast, and uh, we will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.